Dear listeners out there, today we're going to be talking a little bit about food as love language, but also food as a specific kind of heartbreak when you go vegetarian. Just a forward, even though I will be talking about my experiences as a vegetarian this episode, I in no way, shape, or form intend for the entire episode to be about vegetarianism, but we're also going to get into just why I think I've been thinking about food as love language a lot more recently in the past few years and just what it means right now for me to kind of look back on moments where I feel like I didn't recognize food as a love language. My earliest memories of food as a love language is obviously with my family. Um, I didn't recognize it at the time, but there were things like my dad memorizing my go-to item off the menu. Um, Sometimes I got in the habit of when I ate dinner outside with my dad, I would order the same thing. We would go to the same restaurants and I thought ordering the same thing was just kind of simple. It was easy and also I knew exactly what I was getting, what I would be enjoying. My way of enjoying food with my family is knowing that I could guarantee that the food is going to be good because I've had it before. Like that's why I order the same thing over and over. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, My dad would make fun of me a lot in doing this um, and it would still end up on the table. So even though he made fun of me for it, it was kind of his way of just letting me know, like, I know what you like to eat all the time. You know, you have this all the time. And that was actually kind of sweet as a parent. Obviously, that was a very subtle way of showing that you remember your daughter's favorite things. That was one of my experiences growing up with why food is just a way to show that you care. It's also a way to actively kind of take care of someone. There are so many things that I ate growing up that, you know, just everything from like dim sum to egg tarts to Portuguese tarts to even just simple milk bread and just whatever it is that was given to me became my favorite thing. And anything that I sought out on my own was less of a nostalgic favorite than food that was given to me by someone that cared about me. So food as love language is something that I've been thinking about lately, just reminiscing these moments. But also I think in the past few years, I didn't always recognize food as a love language. And I feel like as, I don't know, maybe as someone who's Asian, Growing up, I never recognized it. The basic token of food as love language in an Asian culture is just cut fruit. If someone cuts you a pear or an apple, it's immediately a form of care. Um, And sometimes, you know, as a kid, I didn't always recognize that. I always thought like, oh, I have to eat this apple again. Or, oh, I really don't like pears actually, but I'm still going to eat it because obviously they're cut for me. And if I don't eat it, then I'm going to get in trouble. The reason why I might not have always recognized food as love language is probably because I was never in a position where I felt without it. So in the past few years living alone, you know, having to feed myself, having to make sure that I have meals on the table, that I wash dishes, all of that, 
encompasses food as love language, but for myself, I'm more conscious now about how much effort it takes to cook a meal. Um, mainly because when I was growing up, we actually had a lot of takeout. I had a very stereotypical kind of father daughter lifestyle where like we would always eat outside or have takeout. And I mean, I was well fed, right? Just in a different way. And yeah, so like now like cooking and everything and home cooked meals, I find a lot of care. And I think the other day I had dinner at my friend Sophie's and we cooked risotto and it was so good. It had lemon in it. It had peas in it. It had leek in it. It had, I think, cheese in it. Oh my gosh, it was so good. And something that Sophie said to me really stuck out to me. She said, um, food is a labor of love when she cooks because she usually tends to choose recipes that take a lot longer or more moderation or more kind of observation on her part when she's like stirring it or whatever. I don't know. I don't really think about prep time or cooking time. If the recipe has that, I don't really think about it I just, unless I'm in a hurry, right? But otherwise, I'm pretty much okay with just cooking something and when I eat it is when I will eat it. doesn't matter um, if it's later in the day. I'm okay with that. If it's a little bit past the meal time, as long as I have it in the end, I'm okay with that. A lot of the recipes that I know now and that are my go-to, um, I think, believe it or not, like two, three years ago, I think two years ago, I didn't really know any recipes, even dalboki or um, pasta or even soup or cream soup. I remember when my dear friend Julia sent me a recipe for, or shared me a recipe for soup or rice cakes or rice or whatever it was. There were so many. There are so many recipes I have in my notes app that are from Juliet. That was really nice, you know, like sharing a little recipe here and there, kind of like a little letter. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that part of learning about cooking is getting recipes from other people. A lot of those recipes, you know, um, were founded during, I think, the past two years. And I turn back to them every now and then and I just tweak them or I swap out the ingredients. I think ever since then, I've just been thinking more about how when someone comes over, I want to cook them a meal. I want to make sure the fridge has their favorite things. And I get really upset actually if I forget, like for example, I don't know, like soda or ginger beer or pudding or something, um, because I feel like even if it doesn't make its appearance during the night or the day where someone is over, um, I just like having that option of being able to open the fridge and say like, hey, do you want some pudding or do you want some ginger beer or do you want some, you know, whatever. We have preferences. We have dislikes. One of my pet peeves for food is raw lettuce greens. Did I just say lettuce greens? I meant leafy greens. Sorry. Raw leafy greens. Um, I prefer my leafy greens cooked. I get dissatisfied when the only vegetarian option on the menu is a salad and I'm supposed to be okay with that, but I'm not. I really just want something cooked and warm. But yeah, I really like having the option of just being able to, you know, remember people's favorite foods. And sometimes they also remember my favorite foods, which is really cute. So on the subject of just like being able to feed your friends and um, be fed in return, where do I even begin? Um, I'm currently recording this podcast episode right across from my dining table that is pretty much overflowed with eight packets of hot Cheetos. I need to tell the story. Okay. So 
stay with me. These packets of hot Cheetos are a gesture of care, okay? They're from my friend who... I also work with. Okay, there's like two parts to the story. The first part is about a week ago, she was browsing on our version of like a food delivery app and she was just browsing on the supermarket portion of that food delivery app. And she does this kind of every afternoon at some point of the day, 4 or 5 p.m. She noticed that they had hot Cheetos, hot flaming Cheetos. Flaming hot Cheetos? What is the... I feel like it's criminal that I don't know the variation of this. Um. Anyway there were options to buy hot Cheetos. And she thought to herself, wow, it's been a while since I've had hot Cheetos and she can't find them anywhere here. So she adds one bag, then she adds another. And before you know it, she told me she actually sold out the entire stock of hot Cheetos. So she <laughs> basically, she took the entire stock home. And I thought this was, this was hilarious. And when she told me, I literally was like, you know what? This is the atmosphere we kind of want on an afternoon. Sometimes we want to do something and I admire people who just go ahead and do it. Today, about maybe a few hours ago, she told me that Hot Cheetos were back in stock. Her partner told her to not buy any more, but I thought it was really hilarious. Both the fact that she noticed that they were back in stock, the second fact that her partner told her not to buy any more. So some time passes after that happens. I'm honestly lying in my bed and I'm watching, I'm rewatching Twilight and we're not gonna talk about it. So I'm doing that and I'm like thinking about these Hot Cheetos now and I'm thinking about a crunchy snack because my thought process is, okay, Hot Cheetos, crunchy snack, I kind of want something crunchy. Oh man, now I'm thinking of hot Cheetos. So I just kind of send her a quick message and I'm like, also now I kind of want hot Cheetos. I wasn't gonna get them. I also wanted one bag of them, but I wasn't gonna get them. And I think to myself, um, more time passes and I get a call on my phone from a local number and I don't know about you, but phone numbers at night freak me out and I don't wanna answer them. So I kind of let it ring because I'm a coward and it stops ringing and I'm like, phew, okay. And then it rings again. And I'm thinking if this is a package, it's okay. They'll get it to me eventually. They'll contact me. I'll go collect it. It's fine. But no, it keeps ringing. And so it stops again. And I'm like, okay, am I just a really, what am I doing? I'm a coward. It's fine. They might not ring again. And then I get a text message from my friend saying, please let the delivery guy in. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, no, not again. Context is my friend has my address in her app saved because one time I gave her my address because I thought she was gonna send me mail. I didn't know she was gonna send me bubble tea. Okay, so she, she sent me bubble tea once. She also sent me donuts once. I'm so grateful, but it always catches me off guard. I never suspect it when it comes from her and I don't know why. Like, okay, back to the hot Cheeto story. So I get a message from her that says, please let the delivery guy in. So this is after I get the two phony local phone calls. So I go downstairs, okay, more on that later, but I go downstairs, standing outside my building, I see the delivery person and he's carrying, when I get to him, he's carrying two bags of flaming hot Cheetos. And I can tell there's other stuff in the bag too, because it looks heavy. And I collect the order. I say sorry for making him wait so long, go back upstairs, close the door, examine what is in this bag. And oh my God, there it is. The entire stock of flaming hot Cheetos. And I'm thinking this is 
insane oh my gosh funny story i only really wanted one bag but now i have eight bags sitting on my dining table i also have oatly and i also have two cans of whole kernel corn that are not creamed corn because i always mistake creamed corn for whole kernel corn which is what i want i'm guessing she remember that too i don't anyway what i'm trying to say is this is my this is a recent food as love language incident I think that happened. I now have a very novel story to tell you. So she's done this before with donuts as well. So the other day I was leaving work and this was a really busy day. I was running up and down the stairs multiple times going who knows where in this school campus. So I'm getting ready to leave. Like I make it back to my desk and um, I'm like packing up and stuff. And my friend just kind of like pokes her head up from her desk and she's like go home are you going home and i was like yes i'm going home i'm like packing up again and she's like are you gonna be home in an hour i'm like yeah she's like really and i'm like yeah so on the way home i decide to go pick up some donuts yes i myself decided to pick up some donuts because it was a donut day i just wanted donuts and i always pick the same flavors i get home with my donuts really pleased just really really pleased so I'm like getting ready to just kind of like unwind and like unpack my bag. I got a text from her that said, you home? And I was like, yeah, I'm home. And she replied, okay, don't go anywhere for 25 minutes, okay? I mean it or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, she really wants me to stay home on my couch and not move. Like that's what I was genuinely thinking. You know, any reasonable person maybe already known 25 minutes hmm 25 minutes is the standard time it takes for you to get your order after you've ordered it on the food delivery app hmm no i didn't think like that i genuinely thought she just wanted me to stay still for 25 minutes i don't know why i hear a knock on the door and i'm thinking was that me i can't tell and then i hear the knock again and i'm thinking okay maybe it's like a package or something i open it it is a food delivery person with a bag that is branded with the donut company that I've just bought these donuts from. And so I'm thinking, wait, I swear I ordered pickup from the app. Like I picked them up. Did I accidentally order order? Like what's going on? Oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. I'm so confused. And so I look at the food delivery person and she looks at me and I look at her and she looks at me again. And I'm like, looking at the receipt, like, oh, I see initials on the receipt. Oh, they're from my friend. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, so I open the door and it's these donuts. And they're also the exact same order that I wanted. Anyway, foodist love language gestures aren't always cooking. But yeah, so that's just one part of it I wanted to, to talk about. And I think lately, so for anyone who doesn't know, I'm vegetarian. And I've been vegetarian since 2016, I think, or 2017, somewhere around that time. So it's been a while. It's been so long that I sometimes actually forget that this is something that I could say to people. And most people don't actually know I'm vegetarian. Like, you know, my friend just now that I was talking about who sent me these eight bags of flaming hot cheetos she didn't know that i was vegetarian until i think this year um i think for the first two three years of being vegetarian i would constantly just say things like i'm vegetarian you know just really ingrain it into my identity most people don't actually know i'm vegetarian and this is actually something that i found recently just to be good 
I've been vegetarian for a while now to the point where I don't feel like it's necessary for me to to state it. Um, like I'm so comfortable that I feel like I don't have to mention it or even think about it. Um, the other day, I think my friend Juliet was trying to figure out if this fish and chips place had a vegetarian option on the food delivery app. Specifically, um, she wanted to figure out if there were veggie options for me. And I remember we were talking back and forth about it and I was telling her like, no, I can see it. And she's like, no, I can't see it. Um, and then at some point she was like, I just want to find out if they have veggie options for my friend. And I was like, who? Oh, me. <laughs> so there was a moment of recognition there. Um, but yeah, and I think I used to attach a lot of guilt with me being vegetarian, um, which kind of led me to just kind of not mention that I am. I don't know. I just, it was weird. Like, I, I still think like this sometimes. Like, I don't want to burden people with having to choose a veggie specific restaurant or a veggie specific catering service or anything like that when that happens i feel like you know if you have to work your entire way around a menu just for me like is it really worth it like just eat what you want you know like i don't want you to not enjoy your food there used to be even more guilt with that i think a couple of years ago now it's kind of just a little bit of a flicker like it's a bit dim still exists sometimes but you know it, it doesn't it's not something I cry about. Um, but a few years ago, I would feel like I was limiting people around me by saying I was vegetarian because they could only eat in veggie-friendly places. Thankfully, you know, vegetarian cuisine, can I even call it cuisine? I don't know. Um, vegetarian options have varied since then, but in 2016, 2017, there wasn't anything like Beyond Meat or anything like that. It was really new. I would usually go to Chinese vegetarian restaurants or I would eat my at my vegetarian canteen. The vegetarian canteen at my university at the time held a very special place in my heart because it kind of blended where I belong, like my culture. It blended my culture with my vegetarianism. Um, I got so used to eating veggie burgers and I don't know, like half cooked salads and pastas and stuff like that. And I really missed having Chinese food and or just even Asian food. And that was kind of the sacrifice I made when I became vegetarian. Whether or not I was conscious about it at the time is really up for debate. I feel like I wasn't aware of how much I was giving up really, not just literally, but figuratively and meaning wise, I was giving up a lot. My point here generally is me being vegetarian was me rejecting food as a love language and me rejecting any kind of efforts that my dad wanted to make to show affection or care for his daughter through food. Um, I think that's why I want to talk about it. Yeah, my vegetarian canteen held a really special place in my heart because I, I would always think to myself, like, I never thought I could have things like dumplings again or, you know, noodle soup again. I didn't think I could have that. And it let me have these things um, and not even think twice about the fact that, you know, I have to seek for a vegetarian option. So my usual order was a bowl of dumplings. Sometimes they came with noodles. Sometimes I would order it with sweet salad gluten. It was just the ultimate comfort food for me. It felt like 
a bowl of happiness and it refueled me unlike any other foods all in all you know those were really that was a really special kind of place in my heart unfortunately doesn't exist anymore but thinking about how this place no longer exists makes me think of how vegetarianism on my end was really sad um in its rejection of a love language my dad was very in denial of the fact that i wanted to be vegetarian I remember telling him I want to be a vegetarian and for two months I think it took him two months to readjust to that idea or even just take it seriously like it wasn't just something I was trying out I was actually going to be vegetarian um I'm not going to talk about how I became vegetarian I feel like that's not really important anymore um and it's really beside the point here I don't want to don't want to talk about it I I mean like the long story short is that I'm vegetarian um because I'd never really craved meat specifically and I wanted to try it out. Um, and I ended up just being more comfortable being vegetarian, I guess. Um, but still with that comfort, there is a, there is a bit of guilt in terms of how connected I feel to my culture, my parents, just everything. And I never thought about it like that when I first became vegetarian, but it's something I think about now quite a lot. Um, and I think I'm not alone in this. I, I feel like, yeah, anyway, um, I didn't grow up vegetarian. You know, it was, it was something, it was a decision I made that really stuck out because, you know, my dad was like, why are you doing this? Like, I don't get it. Um, and even my mom wasn't vegetarian. So yeah, that was one of those things. And I feel like, hmm, how do I say this? I always associated just the first few months or even the first few weeks of my dad and I eating outside and me telling him there's nothing on the menu that's vegetarian for me. I can't eat anything. Um, he took it really hard and I think he found it really difficult to accept the fact that, okay, we have to find new places to eat because this isn't an option anymore. And he got really mad about it all the time. And so from my perspective during that time, um, I was just thinking, you know, it's, it's something he has to accept about me and he doesn't and he's making it really difficult. Why is he so mad about it? You know, all these things, obviously, when you're one, really hungry and two, it's hard to find vegetarian options, especially during 2016, 2017. It's not so hard now, but back then it was really difficult because it wasn't an accepted kind of lifestyle yet. It wasn't, or not even lifestyle. I don't want to call it a lifestyle. I think it's just like, a preference for what you want to eat, you know? So he took it really badly and I received that reaction really badly. And I mean, I'm saying these things, I'm still vegetarian right now. As I'm filming this, I'm thinking tomorrow I'm still vegetarian, but my dad definitely took it hard. And during that time, I couldn't understand why he reacted that way. I can definitely understand now. Being vegetarian comes with not just changing the way that you eat and what you eat and what foods are now your foods but it also kind of okay so one of my dad's main goals obviously um raising me was being able to feed me right like that's that's a normal simple 
goal to have. It's pretty standard. And so he would memorize like my favorite foods, what I like to eat, where I like to eat. Um, he would say things like, oh, you're ordering this again, just like teasingly as a way to tell me, you know, I know what you like. Let's order what you like again. And so when I stopped eating things like all of the dim sum that we used to have or congee or just anything really, everything really that I grew up having with him. I think it felt kind of like I was shutting him out on his end. That was probably what it felt like. Probably felt like I was just unknowable anymore. You know, like you used to memorize your daughter's favorite foods and now she doesn't have those favorite foods anymore. Like, how do you tell me how to love you again? You know, it's like we worked so hard to build this entire menu in my mind of your favorite foods. And now you have a whole different menu. So I think that's what it felt like. And I understand that now, but it also makes me so incredibly not guilty, but just I wish I understood where he was coming from. And I think once time passed and we ate more at, you know, vegetarian specific restaurants that were catering to Chinese cuisine, it became a lot better because he understood, you know, I could have both part of the culture. We could have fried rice. We could have mock fish or whatever it was. And I think that was a moment where he probably thought, you know, that's okay. It's fine. You know, we're, we're adjusting. When he finally did accept it, he would just send me photos of vegetables that he would pass by and caption it with veggie and send that to me. And I think it was in that moment, which I knew okay, maybe he's accepting it now. Um, but it took a while and it's not a walk in the park for me. Am I still vegetarian after telling this? Yeah, I am. But am I still sad about some of the foods that I don't have access to? Of course I am. You know, it's like, there are so many foods out there that I don't have access to now. Um, and I really struggle with because I don't know, it's just sometimes nostalgia is a specific dish and not being able to have that specific dish means that nostalgia does not taste like that anymore. And it's weird. I think my main kind of growth with being vegetarian is not seeing it as an identity marker, but seeing it more as just something that I prefer. Yeah. Like it's not a passion project of mine to be vegetarian. It's healthy for me to not think of me being vegetarian. I actually, the amount of times I think to myself that I'm vegetarian now versus when I first started is so minimal. And I really like it because I get to just kind of exist. And the only times it ever comes up is obviously if a place doesn't have any veggie options because I'm like, oh, right, there's this part of me. And I think part of the enticing nature of when you are first vegetarian is the positive connotations that you suddenly feel from acknowledging vegetarian as a word and the fact that you closely connect to it. Obviously it has positive connotations, but you know, you could be vegetarian and still make mistakes and still make faults and endanger the environment um, with bad choices. Those are not mutually exclusive. They're two different things, right? You can be vegetarian and make poor choices. The only times people have reacted to it lately is when I tell students, you know, I'm vegetarian. When I say things, I'm like, oh yeah, I actually can't have that. Um, and they're like, what? Why? And I'm like, I'm vegetarian. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's just what my food is right now. My food is always vegetarian. And that's just what I try to say. Sometimes I end up just saying I'm vegetarian, but I wish that sometimes I took the time to just say my food is vegetarian. Um, I think it helps for me to detach with it a little bit. But yeah, in 2020, 
or 2021, I don't remember when, I think it's 2020, I wrote an article on Medium called I'm Vegetarian and It's Heartbreaking. And I think this is just me trying to vocalize that out loud. But yeah, it's it's a heartbreaking decision I've made. Food is a form of love language. And when you kind of deny something in food that you know needs to be in there to make it culturally specific or targeted towards your family or just memories, you're rejecting a form of love. And you have to accept the fact that you are rejecting a form of love and be okay with that fact and move on from it. It's taken me so long to realize this. I want to end this episode on a lighter note. I find it charming that we can all kind of memorize each other's favorite things and least favorite things as well. When we remember when, you know, people don't eat a certain thing or, you know, if they love a certain thing and you just find it mediocre and you just kind of accept it. I think about food as a love language more often these days. I think because the bare minimum during this time for us is being able to you know, feed ourselves, take care of ourselves, and it starts with food and just kind of being able to share food with other people. You know, food is a communal thing. Sometimes I still need to be okay again with eating alone. I used to be really comfortable with just going to a restaurant by myself and just sitting down and having a meal and then leaving. You know, some of my favorite meals are just the shared ones. My favorite thing is in the winter when I can cook just a big pot of soup. Even better when I have a friend to share it with. I feel like I haven't fully appreciated just how important food is as a gesture or a form of communication. And it's growing up now where I realize, oh, you know, this is what it is. The other day, my student gave me some cookies. Those are the best cookie I've had. I think also because it was during the school day. Cookies always taste way better when someone gives them to you. Like this, it's just a fact. If I baked cookies alone, like it just wouldn't be the same. It's just different. Um, you know, meaning matters. Yeah, that's, that's something I never used to associate. On that note, I'm going to try to have one bag of Cheetos and finish my chai tea. I hope you enjoyed this episode and just having a little bit of a deep dive into some of the more shadowy parts of food as a love language, but also just returning to acknowledging that sharing a meal is one of the most simple and satisfying things we can do. A home-cooked meal is always top tier on the memories list and the kinds of memories I can make having a meal is one of them thank you so much for stopping by just want to say this is now the fifth episode time flies thank you so much for staying ask someone what's your favorite food maybe they'll surprise you who knows wholeheartedly Clara <laughs>